I'm Jill. And I'm Ashley. And this is Poverty Pitfalls and the Price of Diapers. And we're pretty excited for today. This is something different. It is. Um, we're actually at the warehouse right now, Ashley and I. We're usually sitting at home. We moved out of our closets finally. <laughs> Back in the early days, we would literally sit in our closets. Um, but now today we are at the Happy Bottoms Warehouse. <laughs> And we're laughing because we're sitting around a table with uh, the entire staff sitting around us because today we're going to talk to the Happy Bottoms team, the awesome Happy Bottoms team. We can't wait because, well, it's important that you guys get to know them. Um, and so I, let's just dive in. Sounds what do you think? Oh, we're going to go around and just, I'm going to put, the, I'm going to put everybody on the spot right now. We're going to go around and just say your name and maybe say a quick, um, what's the impact you have here at Happy Bottoms? What do you think? Okay. All right. We're going to go around. Here we go. Hi, I'm Andrea Babbitt, and I have the joy of working with the volunteers who come in and share their time to prepare diapers, to get them out the door and to serve our clients. Good afternoon. I'm Stacy, and I'm the warehouse coordinator and I make sure that everything is organized and accounted for and running smoothly. We had a little technical difficulties, but Brandon introduced himself here. He also helps out with the volunteers and does some community outreach. And up next, we have Pam Sutherland. I am the finance director. And my job is to ensure we have the funds that we need to conduct the mission that we do. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm Operations and Grants Director, and I just help everybody around here by writing grants so that we can get the money so Pam can count it and tell us that we have enough to keep going. <laughs> Hi, I'm Susan Belger-Angulo. I'm the Development Director, and I have the pleasure of working with our individual corporate and foundation um, donors and, again, making sure that Pam's got the money to keep the doors open. I'm Brittany Brungar. Um, I am the agency coordinator, so I work with all of our distribution agencies and making sure that they get their orders in and just help with any other logistics. Let's start with, with a question for a few of you. Um, as you guys know, we ask the same questions of everybody. We're, we're going to continue to do that, and we'll just have a few more people answer. So when and how did you learn about poverty? Andrea, do you want to start us off? Sure. Great. I always had small run-ins when I traveled. You would find people who are homeless and on the streets. But my first run-in uh, with poverty was when I lived in Baltimore. Uh, I lived and worked inside the city center, and when I walked to work and when I walked, took the bus everywhere I went, I went to agencies, and um, there were broken windows everywhere, there was trash everywhere, uh, there were people hanging on the corners, including right next to her house, doing drug deals, and it was just, it was obvious. It was the type of poverty that you see everywhere you go, it's just it's there. You can't, it's not, it's not hidden. Um, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, so that was my first. And then I came back to the Midwest and it, it was the same type of poverty, but it looked really different. 
Uh, so I did a lot of door-to-door -door walking in neighborhoods that had crime and uh, you would see dogs that were right next to the front door trying to keep um, people out. You would see signage, um, you'd see trash everywhere, obviously. And it just had a very different look and feel to it in the neighborhoods. Brandon, you want to share with us? Um, I had had kind of periods in my life where I had exposure to poverty just growing up and volunteering uh, with my church group. But uh, going through the adoption process for my daughter was really, really eye-opening to me. Uh, just having an actual person living in chronic poverty uh, that was in my life on a day-to-day -day basis uh, was really, really crazy just to think about not having enough food for just basic goods, uh, not just food or diapers, but, you know, just money to get across town for a bus or something like that. So. How do you think that will affect how you raise your daughter? Um, I, I think, I think I kind of have a responsibility to my daughter to, kind of show her, you know, that process that it took to get her, number one, but um, just kind of exposing her to other people and other walks of life, I think is super important just to raise well-rounded kids. Um, so yeah, I think we'll be stressing that component in her life just to get outside of the norm and what she sees on a day-to-day -day basis. This is Brittany. Um, I think my first experience with poverty was when I was in high school. Um, I went on missions trips every year in high school. Um, and my first one was to Chicago and we just served the inner city kids while we were there. Um, and just seeing what they lived through was eye-opening for me. Um, so that was freshman year. And then, um, Later on in high school, I also went on different missions trips to the Dominican Republic and just experiencing that other culture and just going to the slums and praying for people and meeting their need where they're at and just going into their homes, their literal shacks. Um, it was just incredible for me to see how much joy people had despite living in poverty and that just really stuck with me. And so even now still, I have a passion for missions and love going on missions trips. So do you think um, experiencing that at such a young age, I mean, you kind of just mentioned it right there. You saw that there was joy, no matter the situation that they were living in. How has that, um, how have you carried that through your life? Or how do you think that has affected you in, in your life? Yeah, one of my favorite, I don't know, life sayings that I try to live by is choose joy. Um, and it's much easier said than done. Um, but I believe that joy can be with you despite your circumstances, despite what you're going through. Um, whereas happiness, you know, that's just very temporary. And so um, you can always be thankful for something. And so I just always try and carry that with me wherever I go and whatever I go through, so.
That's awesome. I have to share a quick story. Um, several years ago, gosh, probably 2016, I was traveling with my daughter and um, we went to, I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, it was, it's also all on reservation and we sat down for dinner one night um, and there was a a couple next to us who lived on the reservation and we just kind of talked to them and learned about, you know, how they don't have any running water where they live, where they don't have electricity. They're still basically living in those shacks and, um, you know, much like happy bottoms when I got home from Costco that day and was complaining about how hard it was and then learned about a mom who had to take the bus. It was like, okay, I'm complaining about things and these people don't even have running water. So that's kind of my saying now is at least I have running water. When I think everything is going sideways, I have to remind myself, at least I have running water. I should probably get it as a tattoo. Susan, you want to share? Yeah, and my um, experience, um, I grew up on a farm um, in Raytown, and we had 40 acres, but literally right across the street, there was a woman that owned a very nice home, but on this piece of property that she had, there were seven what my parents basically called shanties. I have no idea um, what these families did, but there were multiple families in each of these very small one-room homes. Um, like you, Jill, I honestly, I don't think that they had running water. I think they had an outhouse. Um from the time I was five, my parents always said to me that I could not go across the street and play with any of the children that were there. Multiple times at night, um, the police would come because they were having illegal dog fights and rooster fights. Um, and I remember, I don't know where these families worked, if they worked, um, and um, they were literally right across the street. Um, I do remember that my cousins eventually bought that property. And one of the things that we had to do was we had to go in and clean up the property. And it was amazing to me, the things that people left, how they lived. Um, it was truly eye-opening. And um, I wish that I knew more about what happened to them and their stories. And I still to this day don't. Thank you guys for sharing. Why do you think some of us end up in a pile of it and some of us get out clean? Let's hear from a few more of you. Stacy took some notes here because as <laughs> we all know, I was I'm formerly, I guess, still in some ways a writer, but it's easier for me to write my thoughts down and then share them than to just come up with them on the fly. You'll never know what's coming out of my mouth. Um, I think that um, it all starts from the beginning. I think not everyone is born in equal situations, be it family, be it financially, where they live. Um, I think it goes back to the beginning of the creation of this country. I think if you look at when when Europeans came, immediately Native Americans were cast aside as less than. Um, they brought Black people over to be their slaves. Um, as time continued on, you had more immigration. It was very, very caste system based on which athlete, eth 
ethnic group you were in, what religion you were, if you were Catholic, if you were Jewish. Um, from the very beginning in this country, there was a ranking system, a caste system, who was who and who mattered. Um, and I think over the years, it has absolutely benefited the rich to keep that in place. Um, add to that another underpinning, 100 years of racist laws to keep people of color and women from owning property. That's a huge thing. And from getting educated. Add another layer. The Jim Crow, racist, prejudiced judicial system. So now we have people even going through different punishments and being judged in different ways. So it's not shocking to me that this country has turned out so differently and there are so many different ways people live and so many different ways people do not have advantages that other people have. Um, the majority of this country has not been afforded the rights or the generational wealth or education or connections as a lot of this country. So you put all that together and it's really put people in a place where it's hard to get out of. It's, it's nearly impossible to get out of. And this has been going on for years and years and years. And then I, I think, too, like the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. That was 58 years ago. 58 years ago. There's so many people here who were born in our country that didn't even have that exist. Brown versus Board of Education, desegregating schools, 68 years ago. This is not ancient history. This is not when the Romans lived. This was not even Christopher Columbus. We're talking recent, recent history. And so it should not be shocking to people that there is such disparity in where people are in life and what they have. And a lot of it is just based on the luck of the draw. You know, I, I got to be very lucky that I was in a family where my grandparents were educated. They had gone to college. My mom and dad both had masters. There was money passed down. My family has always owned houses. I've had every single advantage I could ever have. And so I try to always keep that in mind that, you know, I really started on the 50-yard the line when a lot of people are still standing back on the end zone. I, that is, nobody has said it like that on the podcast, and it's fantastic. I, I mean, going back to when we first came to America, right? You're so spot on that we just cast people aside. Um, and, and thank you for that. That's great information. Everybody rewind and listen again. Um, Andrea, you want to share? Not after that. <laughs> And end podcasts. <laughs> um, Thank you, Stacey. That was great. Um, for me, it's, it's a more simplified version of no one can live alone. We all need help. We all need other people, uh, whether it's uh, guardians and parents growing up or family members or friends or an organization that provides resources. Um, we all go through different transitions through life. We're at different stages in life. And at any one point in life, we need other people to help us and to support us. Um, and so some people have those networks, have those support, and some people don't or have to create those networks or have to find that help. 
um, I've always been fortunate to, to have that network. Um, and I'm really happy to be part of Happy Bottoms that helps to provide one of those resources for people. Throughout all of these podcasts, we ask the same questions and it, this question kind of always comes back to that community piece. And I think we definitely all start from different places and all of what Stacy said was insightful and true. Um, but I think community is something that's important no matter what your situation is. And, the, you know, personally for me, this last two years, I've been going through transitions and kind of lost my community. And so I'm trying to rebuild that. And it's not easy, especially when you're, you know, a transplant from a different place and you're an adult. So you don't, you're not going to school or, you know, so you really have to be intentional about um, making those connections. So I just would encourage anybody out there who feels alone to take that step. Last night, I was talking to someone from another life and I just happened was like, why don't we just get together? We haven't seen each other in more than 10 years. So I sent out some Facebook messages and I was like, let's just, let's do it. Let's get together. And I hadn't talked to these people in 10 years. You don't know, maybe they'll not even respond. You don't have that relationship anymore, but everybody wants to do it. So I think you just have to kind of put yourself out there and, and make connections, even when it's scary or boring or hard. So. Brittany, you want to share with us? I don't know how much I can follow those things up with, but <laughs> um, I just want to say that I believe everything happens for a reason. And like Stacy mentioned, you know, some people, you know, get the the unlucky straw, I guess. Um, but you know, everything happens for a reason. And even if someone is stuck in poverty. I believe that, you know, maybe they're there for a reason. Maybe they're there to help their family members that are also stuck in that cycle. Or maybe um, this is that person's chance to break out of that cycle, that generational poverty and that generational um, just hurt that they're going through. Um, and so I believe that, you know, circumstances do not define you. Um, and yeah, anybody, I I feel like people should always have the opportunity to get out of it. But, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. So thank you. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to another question. Unless anybody wants to add anything. Pam, did you want to add something? Because you can. Um, just really kind of to support what Stacy said, um, um, my grandfather came here literally with the clothes on his back, came here illegally from Mexico on a train, rode the rails. And my mom grew up in a family that struggled with addiction. Her parents did both of them extreme poverty, but education was the key. And they were very fortunate to, to be able to you know, there were schools available, okay, so they were able to get an education, but also people, they look back and say, people came into my world, you know, there was a sense of community, but people came into my world, and I was very fortunate to have those people that later on, I realized, oh, they were helping me somehow, and I didn't know it, and you know, what we do at Happy Bottoms is we give them a diaper, we help them, they may not even know any of us here, 
but that little bit of help along the way, if they continue to get a little bit, it adds up to a lot. So I think that I believe education is one of the biggest factors and, and things are stacked against it. And, you know, I was reading the other day that there's talk about getting rid of our, our education system. We can't make education only for the wealthy or those who have the resources. We have to make it available for everyone. We have to make it easier for those who are struggling so that they can get an education. Definitely. Thank you. Uh, let's hear from a few of you about what you most value. Susan, I'm going to start with you. What do I most value? Um, one, I think just relationships, relationships that um, you build within our staff, relationships that I've built with donors. Um, I am a firm believer that um, there, you also have to have a lot of donor equity. Um, and I say that because I want to make sure that the client that hands uh, Brittany or some of our volunteer folks, the only dollar they have in their billfold because they too want to help or that client that hands us one diaper back that they know that that one diaper partnered with 24 other diapers is going to go help another family. And I think that those folks are just as important and I value them just as much as I value our donors that give us a thousand or $5,000. Absolutely. You're going to make me cry. Brandon. Kind of to echo Susan. Yeah. I think the most valuable thing uh, in my life for the relationships I have, my family, my close friends. Um, I'm a firm believer that the stuff in life, the cars and clothes and all that stuff is very temporary. I think we're here for a very specific reason, and that is to connect with one another and to support one another. So, yeah. Can I cheat and have two? This is Stacy kind of two competing values. Um, I, I think one of my biggest core values is hard work. Um, I really, really value working hard. Every single thing I do, every single task I do, um, I try and do it to the best of my ability, no matter what it is, putting together a puzzle, playing with my daughter, moving a pallet. Um, that's very important to me to work the hardest I can. Um, and I think um, integrity and being genuine is also very valuable to me. I like to be around people who are being honest and who are being real and who are telling me what they really think. And I know that I can trust that. Um, and I know if you're being honest and you're being genuine, then your integrity is pretty high too. And you're probably trying to do the right things for people. Thank you guys. That's a lot of good stuff. Speaking of steering in the same direction, <laughs> um, this is actually going to be um, the second to last podcast, this iteration of the podcast. You may have heard via email or other places that uh, I will soon be stepping back as executive director to focus on some different efforts for Happy Bottoms, which I'm really excited about. Um, and we might get into a little bit. Um, 
But before we do that, I'd like to hear um, from the leadership team at Happy Bottoms here a little bit about, you know, what they see for the future of Happy Bottoms moving forward. Not to put y'all on the spot, but that's what I like to do. <laughs> so Susan, you want to start us off with? I think what I see for the future, um, obviously um, growth, um, but not growth. I think growth in many different directions. Um, I think we need to continue to have that large base of individual donors here at Happy Bottoms um, because it does take a village. Um, I'm excited about the opportunities to spread our wings into uh, the Northeast and Northwest um, counties in our state of Missouri. I look forward to um, doing a lot more advocacy and helping um, our state and legislators understand diaper need. Um, and so I'm really excited about those parts of growth. Hi, this is Elizabeth. I echo exactly what Susan just said. Um, there's, there's a lot of need that isn't always recognized by the community. Um, every, you know, we all know that you, you know, you can't use government assistance to purchase your diapers. But the majority of people, my own family, my friends, they've never encountered it. So it's never occurred to them that that's not something you can use those funds for. And as you know, the needs for families uh, kind of increase with other rising costs. Um, I think our opportunity to grow, to continue to serve the counties that we already do, the six counties, um, but expanding beyond that and doing some more advocacy is going to be really important. Hi, this is Pam Sutherland. Um, I think that Happy Bottoms has established itself in the Kansas City community, thanks to Jill's vision as our founder. I wish we were all out of a job, but that's not our reality. And in the meantime, we are here. We have, as Ashley said, we have a, a team that is all rowing in the same direction. We're always trying to find ways to do it better, more efficient, serve more children. And I think that we will continue to make an impact on the community. Um, and as Elizabeth said, we want, to, we want to spread the word about what we do, how we do it. And I think that that's where Happy Bottoms is and we'll continue to go. Ashley, you wanna say anything? I'm just thankful, you know, we're all kind of doing our own thing here at Happy Bottoms. So it's nice to just be able to come together and um, learn more about each other and continue to grow as a team. and. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what, you know, Jill's a big picture person. So big things are on the horizon, I'm sure. And that's very exciting for all of us. Um, and I think, you know, working in advocacy is very important. It's not something that, you know, maybe the most fun, but it can make a big impact if we can do it in the right way. So, um, you know, just hopes and prayers that we're thoughtful about how we approach that. And hopefully we can make some big change and I'm just thankful for everyone here and can't wait to see what, what happens next. 
Yeah, you mentioned something kind of important. I think um, people probably don't understand or realize we all really do work individually. There's so much um, of our work can just be done by ourselves. We each have our own responsibilities that we are leaders for, um, but we're able to come together and obviously we share and overshare and you know because everything that each one of us is doing individually affects every single other person at happy bottom so um we don't always get to sit around a table like this but um we when we do it's really exciting and um gives me so much hope for the future of happy bottoms i mean it, it always has it's always been the team supporting Happy Bottoms that is really, it's the heartbeat of this organization. It's what makes it thrive and what makes it grow is the dedicated people who are here working day in and day out. And um, it's why I, you know, this group right here is why I feel like I can step back because you guys got it, you know, and I can't wait to see what you do to continue this work and to continue to grow this work. So Thank you guys. Thank you listeners. There will be uh, one more episode coming up, getting ready for our big annual fundraiser, the diaper bowl Two. please listen. You gotta check it out. Get your tickets. If you haven't gotten them yet, um, check our website. You can find it there. Um, you guys team. Thank you so much, everybody for being here today. We've really appreciated it. That was the team. That was fun. We have the best team. We really do. I can, uh, yeah. I always sound like such a big cheese ball talking about it and, but I don't know how else to sound about it because they really are the best. Well, and I know, you know, taking an hour out of everybody's day when we've got so much going on, people might've been a little hesitant because they you know, didn't really understand what we were doing. <laughs> but I think just coming together and sharing and, you know, talking about what we do and people's upbringings and, yeah, stuff like that is really good for the culture and keeping you um, connected to one another. I agree. It kind of felt like, oh, we're doing a team building without actually calling it team building. <laughs> yes. I think, um, you know, all organizations are struggling with that right now because you've got people working from home and you've got people in the office and, you know, they're not necessarily connecting like the old days. There's great things about it. And then there's you know, setbacks that come with it. So yeah. that's why I always encourage people to do the mobile rep. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, you can do a team building activity, kind of recreate that culture that was missing over the pandemic and give back all at the same time. Like to me, it's a no brainer. It really is. So um, we also, at the end, talked a little bit about diaper bowl. You're probably knee deep into diaper bowl. I am. We're working with a new software this year. So I'm trying to figure that piece out, um, which is the one thing you didn't want to do. You're probably having to do this year. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. Um, Uh, It's going to work out. Um, You know, everything kind of comes together at the last minute, which, you know, for me and you is stressful, but Susan always is on top of it. We've got some really good auction items and our committee is wonderful. They're just yeah, so I'm Good. excited. It's gonna be a fun night, and we got a really cool band this year that people can dance to. That's awesome. Well, yeah. we get to so next week. We also talked about next week or in two weeks, I guess, will be our last podcast, um, at least in this iteration. At some point, 
there might be another podcast, but we've got our event co-chairs hosting that podcast, which is really exciting. So be sure to check it out. Um, I did, you know, I kind of just brushed over it a little bit when we were talking with the team, but I think I will take a minute, you know, I'm not going far from happy bottoms. I am stepping back as the executive director, but um, I'm going to spend a year focusing on ways to make happy bottoms more self-sustaining and possibly look at some social enterprise business model for, um, for happy bottoms. So I'm really, really excited to have the opportunity to, to get to do that and to have the support of just, you know, foundations in Kansas city who are willing to help support this work and the team. And like I said, it's, the timing is just so perfect because we've got such an incredible team in place. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's a big opportunity and it's, you know, it's another way for us to really put our name out there. Like mm -hmm. there's all kinds of nonprofits who are looking to create, you know, that sustainable model and that next thing, but most of them don't have the opportunity to do that. And you've, mm -hmm. you know, been able to create that and get support. And so, yeah, I feel exciting. really lucky. It is, it is, but I won't be far. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Feeling a little bit sad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, we Actually, we have to do our own on the side podcast. <laughs> it never gets edited or nobody ever listens to it. <laughs> and then it includes alcohol. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but not sand volleyball good. for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. Oh, wait, let's really quick. So school's about ready to start or has, you know, maybe started by the time this comes out. When does Jackson... He actually doesn't go back until the 24th of August, wow. which wow. seems really late yeah. to me, but yeah, first year of middle school. So <gasps> fingers crossed. Has he been up there at all yet or done any? Yeah, they don't really have an orientation, but they did like let them wander the halls. And oh, I think on the 16th, when I happened to be out of town, he's going to be looking at his locker, figuring out how to do the locker. Nice. I bought a book on Amazon about how to help your kids through middle school. <laughs> I, I haven't read it yet, but that's one of my things to do between now and the 24th. It. So I love it. I love it. Fingers crossed. Till I think it'll be great. Good. Yeah, it will be. When Riley goes back um, next Friday. She's so wow. ready. She's so, so over summer. I mean, you know, she likes it, but she likes that structure. So yes. Um, and yeah, so it's exciting. And I better tell you now, uh, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. The big 4-0. Uh, uh, I've been trying to, like, be, you know, I'm going to, this the month before my birthday, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to work out really hard. And then I'm going to post a bomb 40 pick. Like, this is 40. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't. I haven't done any yeah, of that. It's, it's all right. You're the bomb anyway. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope you have a great time on your trip. I can't wait to yeah. hear all about it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate you going along on this journey with us and we'll let you know if we get the podcast up and running again. Um, and until then, bye. Bye everybody. <laughs>